Okay, for this podcast, I am joined by Penny Ralstenberg. Penny is a very talented instructional designer. Uh, she is also the uh, coordinator for the Quality Matters Initiative at our university. Um, we'll get into what Quality Matters is, but generally speaking, it's a program focused on, a standardized program focused on um, assessing and, and remediating quality issues of courses. So it's from an institution standpoint, a commitment on our part uh, to providing the, the best online experiences for, for learners. Um, and, you know, from Penny's standpoint, she, she's is part of the board for Quality Matters. She's also just a very, uh, you know, as I said, a very um, experienced and, and talented instructional designer. She's written book chapters on the subject and does a lot of speaking on this subject. So she's um, both from a quality standpoint and just from a learning theory standpoint has, has a wealth of knowledge in this space. Um, so I think that um, from from the standpoint of, of assessing design efficacy um, and, and having a really thoughtful approach to designing with quality in mind um, and then also, you know, consulting with faculty um, and, and just generally providing um, kind of a really solid framework for thinking about the topic of quality. She is one of the best people to talk to. So I think that you'll get a lot out of this conversation. All right. Well, thank you so much, Penny, for uh, spending some time with me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you have uh, a pretty interesting role within learning design as an instructional designer, um, as well as coordinating the Quality Matters Initiative at Penn State. So, so we've we've talked quite a bit at this point about um, instructional design within within the course, uh, and I think that um, what I want to focus on for for this podcast and sort of relevant to this lesson is things that we can do to assess the efficacy of a of a course design to make sure that the thing that we're spent all the time designing is actually uh, facilitating the learning that we want it to be and it's important to be sort of self-reflective about that as we as we put something out for students to to um to access um and and specifically a little bit later in the conversation we can talk about specifically about quality matters as you know once we kind of understand the concept of quality and, and sort of what that means from a design standpoint jump into quality matters and um and try to understand that as a particular strategy for thinking about quality um so so that that that's sort of what we want to do today and i think a good place would be to just kind of introduce yourself and and a little bit about your background sure um, thanks, Chris. My, my name is Penny Ralstenberg. I'm a senior instructional designer at Penn State World Campus. I'm also an independent consultant, um, working on new program designs, workshops, speaking engagements, that kind of thing. Um, I have been a designer for over 20 years at three different institutions. So I have a little, a little different perspective of what it's like to be at smaller places, larger places. Um, before that, I was a webmaster 
I've been a multimedia producer. I've been an instructional TV producer. Uh, my undergrad yeah, was wow. actually, yeah, my undergrad was television broadcasting and studio art. And so I have drawing and sculpture and advertising design training too. Um, wow. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, a twisting path, right, towards the design field. Um, my, my master's, um, I got partially at a distance and in alternate formats and I did get my master's while I was working full-time so I really know what it's like to be a student that's on the receiving end of the things that I'm creating which has helped my design perspective quite a lot yeah sympathizing with students that way is important. The empathy is so important in yeah. design um I I have every almost every person that I've talked to so far in this in this podcast series has I've learned interesting things even people like you that I've worked in various different um, ways with over the years and felt like I know a little bit about but then surprised me with some interesting things from their background um, I I I wonder if you could reflect a little bit on on, on and I think you you've touched on this a little bit but is the diversity of your background um, something that you consider sort of a, a, a strength or an important um, important contributor to how you've been able to like solve problems in, in your current role? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's um, it, especially in the television broadcasting, um, you learn how to take a project from an idea to a completed tangible thing and what that process is like. So um, having a lot of production experience really helps you break down tasks into parts. What are the parts we need to create to make this course happen? What are the different things we need to look at along the way? So, yeah, it, it definitely has an impact. And another thing I think that's a benefit is um, having experience in different types of things, multimedia, video, different um, art, art pieces um design is really a convergence of everything and so you have all these parts that could go into a course and then design brings them all together in the most effective way so in in a way i feel like i was kind of meant to be a designer um having been interested in all the pieces separately and then finding design as something that brings all the pieces together and I'm really, I'm really um, excited about being a designer, and I really love the field. Awesome. So, so again, we so we've talked about design quite a bit um, so far already. I from from the, I, I want to talk about quality, and I think a good way to to start that because it's a sort of a seemingly straightforward concept that I think when it comes to to pedagogy and course design is more complex than one might think. Um, I'm wondering if you could just generally speaking define define quality in the context of course design and and, and then also because our ultimately our goal is to help students learn um, what is the relationship between between the concept of quality and, and the learning that we're after. Sure. Um, when I think of quality, I actually the first thing I think about it takes me back to grad school. Right. So if we think about um, what is quality in terms of instructional design or course design, um, the key factors really are that 
that your design is effective, efficient, and appealing. Those are the primary concepts that we're, we're dealing with. And so effective means that it meets the goals and objectives, like you were just saying, where, you know, people need to learn what we want them to learn. And then the efficiency comes in, in being good stewards of resources, that the design development and the delivery of the course is on track and that we're using the least amount of resources to get the same or better results. So we're really efficient about how we're putting courses, how we're putting courses together. And then the um, appealing part is the um, learner attention and engagement. Are students really interested and engaged and motivated in the courses that you're creating? Um, yeah, that the, the, the concept of efficiency is interesting because I think as a, as a, maybe as a new designer coming into the field, that's not something you might think about very much, or even like talking to faculty and talking about efficiency. It, I can, it can sometimes seem like an offensive concept. Like yeah. we should do everything we can possibly do to make, to help our learners learn and efficiency is some business oriented concept and it doesn't belong in education. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's so not true in reality. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also think of efficiency too, in terms of the learner, right? Mm -hmm. Because assuming yeah. that the people we're designing for are working full time and have families and other commitments. And so how can we make the instruction itself as efficient as possible so that we make the best use of their time? They're not going around hunting for things versus having a nice tight design where they know exactly what they need to do, how to do it, how they'll be assessed, and they can move through it and learn very quickly. Yeah, no, that's a great point, particularly for online courses where a lot where there's a lot of sort of gaps between we're delivering instruction and then the, the students are kind of going off and doing the activities and you don't have often have a lot of insight into kind of where the bottlenecks are and the processes you've put in front of them. So, so having, so, so this is good, gets to my next question then, which is given that something like that might not be a, a high on people's priorities list in terms of evaluating a course and thinking about the student experience and how efficient it is, or some of these other dimensions that you mentioned, I'm wondering in your experience, because you work here at World Campus Learning Design, but you also work with a, a lot of, a lot of other people within Penn State and also across the country or probably the world um, in, in, in your quality matters or your consulting work. I'm wondering in your experience, how often the concept of quality is, is called out as a discrete priority in organizations that are doing this type of work. Like it, it, do, do, do people say, well, whatever we do, you know, we need to be considering quality and here's a methodology for doing it. Or, or is it just like, yeah, of course we need to do quality and, and uh, you know, I, this is what I trained to do is do quality instruction. Like, is it is it often considered a discrete thing in most organizations that you work with or is it an afterthought? Um, I would say in most cases right now it's an afterthought, but I think that's starting to turn um, to have have quality be more of a priority at the start of projects. Um, for example, there's a client I'm working with right now. We're developing some new courses for a new brand new program online. And so 
we actually made uh, quality matters and set some quality goals at the start of the project that all the courses will follow these kind of standards and will have similar elements in all the courses. Um, so, which as a designer, that was very fun and kind of a luxury because that doesn't happen a lot um, in course design. Usually you're trying to um, apply it after the fact. Yeah, especially mm -hmm. in the, um, it, we'll say in the older programs, right, that have grown organically over time and had many iterations over several years. Um, then when quality comes up, it's more of a retrofit and and where can we apply some of these during a revision versus actually having quality matters and other standards in mind at the start of a new program, a new project. You can be much more proactive about it. And I assume that from to, to circle back on the efficiency point, it's far more efficient from a from an effort level level of effort standpoint to do it as part of the initial design than, than sort of mopping up afterwards. Yes, yes, so much more efficient. Yeah, and and the other benefit too is that it's so much better for learners in that they'll have a set of courses that's very consistent one course to another. Right, right, and that really, yeah, so you need to do some pretty like kind of long-term lo longitudinal sort of planning rather than yeah. Just thinking about quality in the context of the thing that's right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I can give you an example to um, New Mexico State University is a quality matter subscriber and has been for quite a while. And they actually have a faculty course development guide. You can look that up online. It's free to download. And so they've created course templates for their faculty to use in creating new courses. And if they use the template and fill in the information where it needs to be filled in and they include the items that are recommended in the template, then they're meeting about a third of the quality matter standards just from mm -hmm. using the templates alone. Yeah, so this doesn't have to be, it, it can be a discrete strategy. Quality can be a discrete strategy, but it doesn't have to be a, a significant um, overhead. Yeah, the work that's being done. Right, right. And and the other side of it, too, is that it doesn't have to be um, restrictive or prescribing. Um, mm -hmm. The templates that they have are are very open. They're more focused on where items are within the um, structure of the course and what items are included, but they're not telling people, telling mm -hmm. faculty how to teach or what to do. Um, it's just providing a very good structure for their instruction to go into. I think that's a really excellent point because one of the themes for this course is, you know, talking about the business of online learning and talking about program management and talking about quality and these other contextual factors and considering how they shape or impact pedagogy and, and sort of the creativity of design. Um, and, I, and I hope that one of the overarching messages is that while those things are constraints, like you have to understand, for example, what the budget is for your work that you're doing and, and working within working within that budget. But I think that all of these things, including the framework of quality that you're working within, don't they 
in the end, and in, in most cases, actually improve the outcome rather than sort of limit your ideas in any way. That most of these things are designed to make you do better and make students learn better, not not fit you in a box. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and to see it from a student's point of view, you know, if every course has a different structure, can they figure it out? Sure they can. They're educated people. They're tech savvy. They're taking online courses. They can figure out a system. The question is, as course providers, should we make them do that? Or, or could we mm -hmm. remove that and let them focus on the instruction? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very interesting. So real, real briefly, do you have any other thoughts on as an organization starts to think about quality as, as a discrete priority, um, where where that fits? And you can use World Campus Learning Design as an, an example or other organizations, but like ideally, where does that fit in the in the process of doing design and development? Yeah, ideally, it fits at the start of program planning which um, within World Campus, we're working with um, a few programs right now to do this. Um, and it's being done in other places too. Um, starting, starting with the program planning and deciding what your standards are, whether it be QM or um, local standards that, that you've created. Um, the question there is what should every course have? or what are the design elements that should be included in every course? And so if you do it at the program planning, then you're able to create maybe a course shell, maybe a syllabus template, maybe some other templates that can be used within the course. Then you can use those templates to leverage faculty development. And actually when you're preparing faculty to teach online or preparing them to develop courses, it can be streamed in to the faculty development and then after faculty development, you're ready to start the course development. Then they've already been trained and are familiar with the quality goals, the tools that can get them there. And you have a, a much better start at course development. Mm -hmm. Then you also, with those standards, you have formative evaluation that you can, um, you can measure against to check the course before it goes live to students. But... But thinking about it as a cycle, if you start with program planning and then templates and then faculty development, you don't actually get to course development until the fourth step. So you're doing a lot of, of planning and preparation to have course development be much more efficient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that early integration of that, those sort of processes are really essential to making all of this stuff work. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so we've described We've talked about quality matters a lot so far, but we haven't really dug into what it is and how it works. So could you unpack that a little bit for us and talk about why it's such a good method for thinking about quality and, and development? Sure, sure. The one thing I think about quality matters uh, in terms of being a formally, formally trained instructional designer, um, I think the reason designers like quality matters is that it covers a lot of the things we're trained to look for, right? So there's a lot of commonalities between your instructional design background and training and what quality matters looks for. So in, in terms of what it is, um, there are eight general standards 
And so the first one is uh, course overview and introduction, just to make sure that students are prepared to take the course. Then it moves on to learning objectives or competencies. And so instructional designers are very fond of clearly defined learning objectives and everything we do is based on meeting objectives. So it's, it's good for us that learning objectives are in here. Um, Quality Matters also has assessment and measurement standards, standards for instructional materials, learning activities and learning interaction, meaning that students are interacting with each other and with the instructor. There are standards for course technology, for support that the students receive while the course is running. And then also the eighth standard is accessibility and usability. So these eight standards are research-based and they, they update the standards every three years. So the eight, eight general standards that I've described, there are actually substandards for each one of those that teams of people will use to review courses and, and assess whether the standards are met or not met for that course. So it, it really is a whole system of quality assurance. And what does this look like in, in practice? What are the, say I, I, I'm all in on the, what you're talking about and I agree with these standards. What, what does one do with Quality Matters? Um, you can use it lots of different ways. So one way that I use it is to just have the standards present during course design and development. So we're kind of designing with that rubric in mind and saying these are the things we know are quality um, quality design elements and we're going to try to include as many of these as we can. Um, you can also use it as a quality insurance tool after a course is designed, after it's run a few times. Maybe you want to use the rubric to go through and see if the standards are are met or not met, and that would give you some ideas for revising the course. Um, you can also do formal reviews through Quality Matters where external people will review the course as a team. And then if the standard they find standards are met, then you'll get a QM certification for that course that it's certified that standards have been met. Um. Yeah, so that's interesting. So there is, it isn't at the formal level, there's costs involved and it's, and it's a pretty yes. laborious process and, it, and, and that's good in certain circumstances, that's what's called for, um, but that there's a whole continuum of ways to use this, as you said, from simply a reference as you're doing work. Um, yeah, and it doesn't require a team. Um, without getting into all the details of the different ways, um, there there is a self-review, <clears throat> which is just one person. And so if you have access to the tools through a subscribing institution, which Penn State is, um, you can just do the self-review and, and get a copy of the rubric and use it however you like during your course development. Very interesting. Um... So, so that's, and then I think we have some references to the quality matters in the, um, in the, uh, in the course readings. Um, so they can dig into sort of some of the more specific subcategories and whatnot. I, sure. um, I'm 
So, so quality matters. That's uh, well, actually one thing I'll expand on with quality matters is that we are looking at this um, from a university-wide sort of standpoint, and and so there's there's sort of like, you know, individual design shops can sort of look at quality matters, or individual designers in certain course development situations can um, uh, can incorporate this in their their design. Um, but now we're sort of looking at this as a sort of an institutional priority. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and actually I've talked to students that, that sort of complain about inconsistency in course designs. And so from, from a more of a holistic standpoint, quality matters can do a lot. Um, as you said, if there are sort of standards that, you know, everybody at Penn state is, is thinking about, um, you know, there's still going to be variations in terms of the subject matter or the personality of the instructor or the uh, designer, but but it, it does provide sort of a certain baseline. So we're looking at it as an institution to say, for all Penn State courses, this is what we expect, and we're going to train you up on quality matters. Everybody, everybody who's doing design and any faculty who want it, we're going to train you up on this stuff. Um, and you know, it's up to you how you implement it. But we have a the, we have a baseline, which is really interesting. Um, it's a, that's not, that's, there's, that's no small task for us to do, but that's the objective. Right. Um, I don't know if you wanted to reflect on that, but it's, it's, I, I think we're both, we're pretty excited about approaching it that way. Yeah, I'm definitely, definitely excited about approaching it as an institution wide, um, resource, which is really, you know, what it, what it could be. And then another, another thing I was thinking about while I was listening to you, um, the quality matters originally started in 2005, 2006, that was the first rubric. And it was actually designed as a peer review for faculty who did not have access to instructional designers and did not have any, um, instructional design or, or maybe education experience. And so it was the set of standards that if you use these standards, you can have an effective baseline of for your online course. And so now all these years later, we have so many collaborative teams developing courses. So at Penn State, as you mentioned, Chris, you know, we have instructional designers working with faculty. It's a collaborative process, multimedia people and other team members can be thrown into that mix too. Um, so what I think is really exciting is people exploring all the different ways the rubric could be used and the different ways you can interject it into different points in the development process so that users get the most value out of it, not necessarily using it as the prescribed methodology as it was originally intended. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the biggest, the biggest opportunity, but also challenge is is coming at this not as a one size fits all, but sort of again establishing that baseline of quality, but but um, not making people feel like this is the box within which they need to work. But it's really sort of a it can be a fairly lightweight, um, you know, guide a guidepost for them to to incorporate quality. Um, so so that's quality matters, and I think people would just from a professional development standpoint, a career development standpoint, I think it's a good skill set um, to either do the formal training and get certified or even just be familiar with the rubric. Um, so I encourage everybody listening to do that. 
Um, I also kind of want to expand this. So quality matters is one really good mechanism for thinking about quality. Um, there's, there's other things that we're doing at Penn State and most other institutions to assess efficacy with course designs. Um, many people are familiar with, uh, with the, you know, the student, student surveys that are focused on teacher effectiveness. So this is something that um, most students do in most institutions at the end of a semester to, to assess their instructor for a course. And that results of that play into improvements. Um, there's other things that we've done regarding um, uh, is actually surveying the students in the middle of a course about how they're feeling about the design of the course. And that that's nice because that gives us an opportunity to make kind of just-in-time adjustments to the course to mm -hmm. address issues like if the pacing for the course is too fast or or the instructions for the assignments aren't effective and students, or whatever it is that is causing students to be confused about what their expectations are, um, that those are things we can kind of fix in real time. Um, but then also there's, there's, there's some interesting, and, and this is probably a whole podcast in and of itself, but, um, but learning analytics is just sort of using data to inform decisions about course design. So I think that as far as I, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this, the way that I think about all these things is they help us triangulate where we need to apply our efforts to, to make learning happen in online courses. But how do you think about how some of these other methods like kind of complement quality matters? Yeah, I think any data that we can get from students is valuable. So just in general, in instructional design practice in higher education, we don't get what I would call the analysis stage. So if you look at the ADDIE model, analysis, design, development, implementation, evaluation, we don't do much analysis. And so I think any data that we can get from students about how they're performing or how they're feeling about what's in the course, if they see value in different things in the course, that's going to help us build better courses. So I, no matter where it's coming from, I like to see more of that. Um, yeah, in thinking about, um, when I think about analyzing and things that I like to look at, um, if we if we put a specific intervention in a course, then we want to be sure to really analyze that to make sure that it's doing the job it's supposed to do and that people are learning from it, that it's actually made improvements and not just become a distraction or something. But um, the other things you mentioned too, the mid-course surveys and the other analytics, they can really help um, in terms of revision. Because one of the things, I should say, one of the most important questions to ask when you're approaching revision is where are students having difficulty? So in terms of prioritizing, right, being efficient, prioritizing those resources, <laughs> if we know where students are having difficulty then we can really focus in on that. And you you won't know that um, except for anecdotal evidence from the instructor, unless you have some kind of analytics in the class. Yeah. And, I, and honestly, I think from the learning analytics standpoint, especially because it's, it's so discreet and um, very specific about measuring certain behaviors or, or just measuring activity within a course and 
you know, combined with quality matters and combined with um, grades and other performance data metrics, um, we can start to get a pretty, a really super precise understanding of the of the things that are going on. And one thing that, again, I mentioned earlier that sort of the some of the budgetary and um, you know financial constraints that we have, like any good faculty member or designer is going to want to dive in and solve every every problem and make the perfect course that they can. Um, but the reality is that there's limited time and, and money any of us have. So being precise about the work that we do is really important. And, and these sort of things can help us kind of focus in. And one example that we found recently with a learning analytics project was looking at these um, sequence of three courses that we're doing design on where we're finding that the students that are in the third of the sequence of these three courses are not, they don't seem to be prepared for that third course. And so there's something about the design of the first and second course that is problematic that we need to address. Um, and so we were able to go into the learning analytics and look at how they, how they worked, how they accessed the content and realized mm -hmm. that um, there was a there was a misalignment and alignment is like a big thing regarding well it's a critical thing that instruct the instructional designers need to understand is to ensure that the there's alignment between the objectives and the content and the assessments but there was a there was a misalignment between the content and the assessments such that the students quickly realized that they the content was not really that important because there was nothing in the assessments that was assessing their understanding of the content. I mean, this particular content. Um, right. So, so there's a whole chunk of things that the students should have been learning in that course that they kind of blew off at some point once they understood this, and uh, and 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 it kind of it was a and we could empirically, in a very very clear way, if you looked at some of the data that we have, pull that out as a um, a problem that we needed to solve. So. There were, there were a lot of different ideas that were thrown around about how we could make students more prepared for this third course. We zoned right in on what, what was clearly the problem. And now we have a very, very specific design plan for addressing this. That's, that's, that's so, it's good for the students. It's good for us in terms of efficiency and targeting our work. I mean, that was an amazing insight. And I'm not sure all the insights are that obvious, but this one was glaringly obvious. Yeah, that's a great example. I mean, it's so important to to um, look at how students are performing and what data you can gather. Yeah, that's a great example. It, and it is, but it is difficult. You mentioned analysis, and we don't do an analysis. We don't do analysis very very well. And I think I don't know if you have any insights into why that you think that is. But from my observation, from the we have this mountain of data. And sort of we look at it and we can do some descriptive statistics with it, but it's hard to do analysis properly, to do it rigorously and to, to not find yourself in a situation where you're making false assertions because you did a bad job analyzing data. Like that, that's a very real and dangerous and ethical, ethically kind of difficult <laughs> situation to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, as a designer, I'm always thinking about things from the student point of view, you know, how do students feel about being tracked all those different ways and how their data is being collected to impact, you know, maybe offerings that they're receiving or help they're receiving. It's very, it is an ethical issue. Yeah. 
Well, that is a, a topic for another day. I, we'll, I think we'll uh, be mindful of your time and we'll wrap here, but I really appreciate appreciate your insights into, into quality matters specifically, but also in general, um, just sort of some thinking about quality, why it's important and um, kind of where it fits in a, in a, from a practical sense, where it fits into a design process. I think that that's all really helpful. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you.